the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host on this Tuesday edition of Southern California Live. Testing negative today for the COVID, but testing positive as your host. And also for a large amount of Mexican food that I have had today because I fully, fully grasp and hold on to Taco Tuesday and uh, all of that. So I'm uh, feeling pretty good about that today. And uh, I hope that you do that too. find a taco shop that you like and support. I started doing that during the, the COVID uh, because uh, a taco shop down the street from my house, they finally reopened after all the shutdown. And I went in there to get a burrito and I waited over an hour for my burrito. And there were a bunch of other people in there. We we're all waiting over an hour. And I was amazed at kind of how patient people were because you could tell there were only two people working in there. And the person in the kitchen looked like he was 14. And I think the owner was running the show. And I asked her when I got my burrito finally, I said, uh, hey, how you doing? And she teared up and she said, thank you for asking. And she said, it's been really hard and we're barely making it. And I thought, you know what? Uh, I'm glad no one's complaining because it took an hour. And that probably is her kid back there working. They're just doing what they can. And uh, I started a thing on my, my normal uh, 1130 in the morning show that I do here in San Diego. We're on Taco Tuesday. We talk about it. We go in there and support the local taco shop. So I still do that. I think it's really a good thing to do. Uh, your local small business, especially who's just trying to make it during this time. And uh, hopefully we're coming to the end of it. I don't know. Uh, we'll see. I think people are done in a lot of ways. Anyway, it is good to be back with you uh, because I have been out uh, on a few days that I was scheduled because of the COVID. And uh, I did test positive for it. Last time I was with you, I tested negative for it. And I felt pretty terrible, but I, you know, did the show and it was okay. And then I got real sick, still tested negative. And then when I started feeling better, I tested positive. Do those tests work? Maybe I just didn't swirl the thing around in my nose. Maybe I did it 14 times and not 15 times. And that was enough for the bad test result. I don't know. Anyway, it's good to be back with you. You can join our program today. 888-LA-TALKS is the phone number. 888-528-2557 if you want to join the conversation. You can also email me at SoCalLive at KKLA.com, SoCalLive at KKLA.com. And uh, I'm looking forward to being with you today as we uh, have this program where we get to bring you to the table for some conversation and some encouragement, some fun. And uh, we're going to talk about some issues of the day from a Christian perspective. And uh, today we're going to talk about in our two-hour program, we're going to talk about the news and some different things in the news. And we're going to talk about uh, the great resignation and uh, an interesting perspective that was in the Wall Street Journal today about the sort of the underside of it and uh, what people are doing and how this uh, period of time has been affecting us. So we'll talk about that here in just a second. So I've got my coffee, and uh, it's dripping all over me today because these coffee places, do you notice this? If you get coffee a lot, there must be a rule, but you they always take the lid and they put it right, the, the sippy part of the lid, they put it right over the seam of the cup, which is the number one place where the cup is likely to get little drips underneath it. And so uh, I all of my shirts are covered in coffee stains. And uh, that's one of the joys of radio is that you really don't know that. But I'm, I'm here to share with you the, the reality and the theater of your mind. 
what is going on. But it's all right. I got my uh, my coffee with me, and, uh, you know, I can change shirts later. They usually come up. And uh, here's something I want to talk about with you uh, in the segment here is what do you do that is a waste of time? What do you do that's, or maybe something that, uh, maybe it's a good waste of time versus something you know that you do that you shouldn't be doing that's that's killing your time. The reason I'm asking that is to get into a, a little bit of a deeper subject. The article in the Wall Street Journal today called The Underside of the Great Resignation, it was talking about how some people are just not going back to work, uh, and it's bad. And it's bad not just for the economy. If you're wondering, and see, I'm always wondering why if the if unemployment is so low right now, they say what's what three point nine percent. It's like record setting. Uh, people used to say it was not possible for it to get below five, except during a time of war, um, which might be happening you know, later on the show. We'll see if that begins over there in Europe. No one's paying attention to that. You know, we'll spend some time talking about that uh, eventually, uh, maybe today, but probably tomorrow. So I think it's important anyway. Um, all these places, they don't have enough staff. I can't tell you how many places I've been up to where they're temporarily closed because of staffing issues. And uh, it's an incredible, incredible thing. There are all these people out of work, but there's got to be people, right? What happened to everybody? Well, that's what's going on here. So I want to talk about that for a minute here. How are you doing? Do you do you have a good waste of time, something that you enjoy? You know, when, when we talk about this, I don't want to say that leisure time is bad. Uh, I think that everybody should have something that they do as a hobby or something that they enjoy, something that is good for them. I find that with my myself, I've got to have something that's not work-related, that is something that is with my family or something that just occupies my brain in another way. You can give me a call and join the conversation, 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557 is the number. Once again, I encourage you to put that right in your phone if you're thinking about it right now, 888-528-2557. That's uh, something good to have in your contacts. That way, when you're ready to join our conversation, you can just do it. You're ready to go. Um, A good waste of time. Something I think, you know, video games, I think for a lot of people is one of those things. I uh, started playing this Wordle thing. Are you playing that? Have you seen this? Maybe you've noticed it if you're on uh, social media or something. People keep posting these, you might have seen it, boxes of yellow and green and gray boxes. And, uh, and then there's a little score, 220, and it'll say 4 out of 6 or 5 out of 6. And what it is is it's this game, and it's just on a website. Uh, and uh, you can look that up. Just Google Wordle. You'll find the website. And you guess a five-letter word. So every morning, seven days straight. Uh, is that right, uh, uh, Wilbert? All right, seven days straight for you. That's pretty good. I think I, I, uh, I, somehow I messed up my streak. I think I'm at four days right now, but I think I might be at seven. Uh, that's what I learned during my, uh, my, my COVID time. I was sitting at home wondering what to do and uh, just kind of exhausted. And what's this Wordle thing going on? Oh, it's good for you, seven days. That's pretty good. Today's word, I thought, uh, it took me a while, and it was an easy word. Um, and I won't tell you what it is, because I don't want to be that guy. Uh, but it's kind of fun, but what I like about it is you do it for a little while, and then you're done, and then you move on. You can't play another word, like, until tomorrow. It's just over. So to me, it's kind of a good waste of time, something to enjoy, something to uh, share that you've been there seven days in a row uh, or that you've made it seven days in a row. Uh, I think that's become my entire Twitter feed, actually. My Twitter used to be interesting. Now it's not. It's just that. And I've become one of those guys. Uh, That's a good waste of time. Um, Bad waste of time. Do you have some bad waste of time? 
you know, I have to say that I'm, I'm super busy. I just have a million things going on all the time. So I, I feel like I don't have a lot of time to waste, but if I'm wasting it, it's probably because I'm getting social media notifications and like, you got to stop what you're doing and you go check it out. And even if it only takes five seconds, it probably takes 30 seconds to refocus your mind on whatever it is you're supposed to be looking for. One of the greatest discoveries I, I learned is that you can turn all that off. And that has been the best thing for, for me because it really was getting in the way. And um, I used to have an employee who got an Apple Watch, okay, smartwatch. And I've not been convinced that I need one of those. In fact, this employee convinced me I don't. And the reason why is you'd be having a conversation. And it's not just him. I've seen it with other people. Maybe it's with you and maybe this is going to save you a relationship here. When that thing's going off and you're talking to somebody, what do you do? You, you look at it. And every few seconds while you're talking to this person over something serious, he's looking at his watch. And the thought that goes through your brain is, do you not have time for this? I mean, I'm your boss. We're talking about, you know, stuff we're doing. Uh, you don't seem to have time for this conversation. You've looked at your watch 35 times. And finally, I said it to him. I said, is, is this not interesting to you? <laughs> it, was a, it was a serious thing we're talking about. And he goes, oh, no, I just keep getting notifications. And I said, well, turn that thing off. <laughs> I, and I'm usually just pretty calm, but I was ticked off. I almost fired him. Like, turn that thing off for crying out loud. We're talking about, you know, church stuff. We're talking about people's lives, and you can't stop looking at your stupid watch. Uh, so I'm telling you that because, hey, you know, if you're just constantly looking at that thing, you're probably bugging somebody. And I think people don't really say, but, you know, turn off the, the notifications. I've wanted to get that for, like, the, the health things in it. You know, it's if you fall into a manhole or something that will automatically call the police uh, that sounds nice. Uh, that's a nice feature, you know, if you're unconscious somewhere. Um, and I've thought about that. Um, but I've changed my mind. I've decided I'm going to go back to a regular old watch because what I do that's annoying in the same vein, and I realized this after I talked to this guy, I uh, look at my phone for my watch because I stopped wearing a watch several years ago. And I pick, pull my phone out of my pocket in the middle of a conversation and I will look at it. And I'm just looking to see what time it is but the person I'm talking to has got to have the opinion that I'm just not interested. They're probably getting as irritated as I am. What do you do that is a good waste of time or something that is a bad waste of time? We'll get uh, serious about this too. You can give me a call, 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. Linda from Los Angeles. Welcome to Southern California Live, Linda. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. <laughs> So I was just calling because I know that COVID has just changed so many lives. Yeah. And for me, what I found to be a big blessing um, amongst all this, you know, bad stuff going on is being able to connect more with family. Um, you know, we live such a, a chaotic life sometimes that we're just so busy doing so much things. And I think that now even, I mean, I haven't stopped working since COVID started, but and thank God for that. That's great. Um, but even then, taking that time to just, you know, be home uh, during the times of isolation was just, you know, a blessing to be able to not turn on the TV, but actually have conversations with family and connect again. Um, and I think that's the positive thing about all of this, is that we have to remember what's important um, and not the hustle and bustle of everyday life. 
yeah. just focusing on the on the beautiful things that we have that are dear and near to us. Do you feel like your time during COVID really helped you uh, have a better grasp on that? Oh, definitely. Um, for me, it was just a little bit more difficult. I, I have a 19-year-old autistic son, uh-huh. um, and so it's, it's, it was a challenge uh, for him regressing and not being able to do his routine, you know, going to school and, and doing the things that he normally does. Yeah. And so just being able to connect more with him um, just was such a great blessing, and it just brought us so closer together um, that our family is just so connected now. That's a great thing. Did you find that you uh, um, had things that were hard to give up, or did you just deliberately say, I'm not doing that anymore so I can have this time with my son? Yes. Um, you know, um, I'm a social worker, so it's been really, really hard mm. um, having to deal with so many crises, um, and so many different situations. And I have to learn to leave work at work um, and that I can't overdo it sometimes. Um, and that I have to take that time for myself to be able to say, work stops at this time. Mm. It's time for me to go home and deal with what I need to deal with at home and just connect once again. Um, and it's been just a routine that uh, my family and I have been practicing, which has been helpful uh, to keep us grounded. Yeah. Linda, that's a really good advice there to leave work at work. I think that um, a lot of our distractions, and I'm guilty of this, is that in our world today, with the technology and the connection we have, we're always at work. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. Linda, okay. yeah. how's your son doing now? Uh, is he able to go back to school? He's back at school. Um, okay. So he's, we're gradually going back, you know, little by little, um, trying to get back to the routine, but still keeping some of what we've learned um, as focus to what we need to do. Um, and prayer has been such an amazing thing, too. Um, God has not left our side, and He never will. And so we just keep that hope that, you know, He's with us all the time and that we're going to be okay. Yeah. All right, Linda. Hey, Linda, thank you very much for your call and sharing your story with that. You can join our conversation, 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557. We're talking about uh, things that are a waste of time that might be good, good ways to sort of... Um, take your mind off of things and focus, but also some things that are uh, bad wastes of time. And also, you know, as part of this conversation, what are the things that are most important and how do you focus on those things? Linda talked about how she was able to make some good decisions for her family during the COVID and focus more on her, her son who has special needs. And, you know, I think that's something that happened with all of us during the COVID, right? For a while, we're sitting at home and we have to just contemplate our lives. And that's happened across the board, and that has led to something called the Great Resignation. Are you familiar with this? Maybe you're a part of this, where you sat at home and you decided, you know what, I, uh, I need a new job or a new career. Some of you were forced into a new career because your, your career went bye-bye over uh, or your, your job or whatever. Uh, a lot of you are in that position. Um, but uh, for many of you, hopefully those jobs are coming back. But some people are going in a totally different way. Well, there's a positive side, I think, to that, where you actually end up doing something that you're more made to do. Sometimes we just get stuck in a in a, a job or a role somewhere, and we realize, you know what, this isn't best for my family, or this isn't really what God created me to do. And, you know, in, in saying that, I want to be careful, because uh, part of what I want to get into here is sometimes, you know, a weird thing about our society today is we have less appreciation for hard work 
that is necessary to take care of your family, even if you don't particularly like your job. You know, everybody's got stuff in their job that they don't like. And some people have entire jobs or careers that they don't like. But it used to be that you would work hard to get a job to, in order to provide for your family or in order to do a good thing if you were working, you know, maybe as a social worker or you're working, um, you know, for the community in some way. There was some value to it that was beyond just the value that you get in your heart when you're doing something that you really like. Uh, many people are blessed. They, they get to do what they really like. Um, I've been blessed with that, you know, for the most part, but there's terrible parts of, of my job that I would, you know, gladly never do again. Uh, they just keep coming up. That's, that's how that goes. Well, and this, this idea here, there's a, a man who wrote a book. The article is actually by, uh, I don't know if I can pronounce his name right, Wall Street Journal, Mene uh, Uke Barua. All right, we'll just call him Mene. But he's talking about a conversation he had with Nicholas Eberstadt, who's a political economist at the American Enterprise Institute. And what he's arguing is that the long-term, the long-term resignations we're having aren't turning out so great because a lot of people who are leaving their jobs are leaving work altogether, that we've, in a way, we've lost the ethic of work in our country. And what he's concerned about is that's happening across the board, and especially with men. And uh, the article talks about how it has affected both men and women, but especially uh, with men. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. The number, if you want to join our conversation, is 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557. And in this article, he says some very interesting things. You know, one of the reasons uh, that things have been happening with the the work is because the virus itself, of course, and the pandemic, it's still an emergency. But he says this, the male labor force protection has dropped off. um, And it's it's been dropping, actually, uh, after most recessions in the post-war area. Meaning that what happens is whenever we have a recession or a downturn of the economy, not just now, there are lots of people, and in particular men, who just stop working. They don't really go back to work or they go to something that really isn't providing for the family or providing what they really need to do. Maybe they just enjoy it, right? And he comes down to this statistic that almost one in eight men uh, is sitting out of the workplace during their prime age for working. He says, in 1961, the labor force participation for prime age men was 96.9%. Uh, By November 2021, the seasonally adjusted rate was 88.2%. So almost one in eight men is sitting out during the best years. But And he says this is an unprecedented drop. And Mr. Everstart says, we would think that it was a crisis if the work rate fell below the Great Depression level. Well, you can check that box. We're already there. I mean, think about that for a minute. You ever see pictures during the Great Depression? Uh where there's just people who have lost their homes and they've lost their jobs and they've moved all of their stuff outside of their home onto their front lawn or into a little section that really belongs to the city. And they're just sitting there because they have no place to go, no job. And they're just sitting there and there's just house after house after house. That's empty now because you've been evicted. um, And you're just sitting on your, whatever furniture you have left out in the street. And there's all these pictures and when you hear somebody say, well, it's just like the Great Great Depression now, it's actually worse than that. How can that be? I'm not seeing, you know, I see a lot of homeless people and I, I see a lot of stuff, but I'm not seeing that sort of mass, um, you know, group of people out there. 
And the reason we don't see them is because we have social programs today. This article will go on to say that, that one of the reasons we don't see it is because the government now takes care of people with uh, different welfare programs and different uh, safety net programs. But the studies bear out that actually we're in pretty bad shape as far as the labor force goes. And it's gotten pretty extreme. Um, there's a lot of missing workers and there's worse, an attitude about work where we have dropped in the United States. He says, Mr. Eberstadt estimates that if the United States maintained its employment to population ratio from 2000, from the year 2000, we'd have more than 13 million more workers today. That would be more than enough to fill the record number of open jobs. Instead, America has overtaken the European Union. This is not a bad joke. 30 years ago, America's prime age work rate was nearly 10% percentage points above Europe's. Now Europe is a couple of points higher than America's. We are behind Europe as far as people doing their best work during their prime age. That sounds shocking to me, but that's where, where we are today. How are you doing? And how do we get back from this? How do we have an ethic of doing this. And why are we doing it? We can talk about that when we get back here in just a minute. I'd love to have your thoughts about this as well. You can give me a call, 888-528-2557. You can call right now, 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557. What, how are you doing? And what are some ways that we can get back to work? And if you're struggling, you know, what are some ways that you have really found uh, this to be, um, what are some ways that you have found to get back into working hard and to having a better work ethic, even if it's not the best thing that you really want. 888-528-2557. This is your Tuesday edition of Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. I'll be back in just a few moments. Don't go away. Welcome back, everybody, to Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you today. The number to join our conversation is 888-528-2557, 888-LA-TALKS. We're talking about uh, people who are not in the workplace and people who have stopped working in particular. We've talked about uh, an article in the Wall Street Journal, how men have dropped out of working altogether in some respects, uh, larger than at any time since uh, before World War II. Uh, let's go to the phones. Julie in Claremont. Julie, welcome to Southern California Live. Thank you. Um, I was just calling in because I have a whole different experience on what this article is talking about. Yeah. And sometimes I'm, I just wonder what these intellectual articles, um, what their objective is. Okay. I have... Um, Three sons from the age of 20 to 35. Yeah. I have two brothers who are 30 to 50. I have a husband. I work in um, the kitchen and bathroom remodeling all over Southern California. I don't see anyone in Southern California putting their furniture outside anywhere. And I have guys working, maybe 20, 25 guys on my payroll a month who are working every day, sometimes yeah. even Saturdays and Sundays. So I have a whole different experience on what this Wall Street Journal guy sitting in his desk is and wondering, is he out there in the workforce observing what is really going on, or he's just 
or or where is he taking this? Because yeah, and we need to make men feel good. We need sure. to make men feel proud. We need to make men feel. You know, I'm surrounded by men every day. I have sons, and we have to stop this. Just shaming men on everything. You know, I think men uh, are I, working. Yeah, men hey, are I know where Julie. Day. Julie, I know where you're coming from, and I'll tell you, thank you for calling. Um, the article is not really about uh, shaming men, and I think you're right to point out that most men, you know, the, the statistic is 88% of men are working in their prime, and they're doing really well. We, we, we tend to focus on the negative side of things, and you're right, kind of from the, you know, the news standpoint, that's what's going to make the story. And it's great that you're surrounded by a bunch of guys, and, you know, most of the guys listening right now are working hard, and they're working hard. But what the article is pointing out, is that there are enough, if you go ahead and read through the whole article, there are enough people, it's both men and women, but the author uh, is focusing a little bit more on the men. Both men and women are dropping out and not doing anything. And this is one of the, it's not a lot, but it's a lot comparatively speaking, right? It's not uh, everywhere you go. But I think you do see this, and I see both. I, I deal with people all across the spectrum all the time in my job. And he writes this, the personal consequences of mass worklessness may outweigh economic ones. By and large, non-working men don't do civil society. Their time spent helping in the home, their time spent in worship, a whole range of of, um, activities they aren't doing. And so what's filling their time? This is what they report doing. They report watching. They report being in front of screens for 2,000 hours a year like that's their job with the idea that maybe what's happening for a lot of people is that they're looking at screens all the time, but they're playing games, they're watching Netflix, they are doing a lot of leisure stuff way beyond just the simple things that uh, uh, you know, can occupy our time like a hobby. It's taking over. And uh, what's happening is that that group of people um, is finding it fundamentally degrading. And another point here in the article going through it is it's talking about how many more people today find jobs that are kind of uh, more more hard work or or jobs that maybe you don't really want, but it's a job. He mentions here uh, once he was a door-to-door cable service guy, and he says the gig was very unpleasant and it paid very little, but it was far better off uh, than having nothing to do. And this is the, the danger here that is being presented is what happens if we just don't have a work ethic at all? What happens if we find ourselves too busy to actually do productive work? And that's not true for most of us, even the great majority of men, but it is true for a larger percentage of men and including a lot of younger men. Uh, Chris in Monterey Park. Chris, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Uh Yeah. Uh, this is a, a huge issue. I mean, I can't talk about it in a couple of minutes, but I think there's a lot of. I lost you there a little bit, uh, Chris. Still with me? Uh, you kind of got muted out there. I can't hear you. Hey, uh, hey, Chris. I think I, I lost you. Maybe you could give us a call back, uh, and we'll uh, we'll take your call here. Uh, in just a moment. We lost Chris somewhere, but he was about to make uh, a, a point uh, about these things. You know, what is it that people are doing that waste their time? Do you have this kind of uh, thing going on? Video game playing is is a big one. Um, I was talking with somebody uh, this morning, 
here at the station about this. And, uh, you know, video games became a thing when I was a little kid. But when I was really little, you know, you it cost you money. You get a bunch of money, you roll a quarters, and you'd have to leave the house and go to some uh, arcade somewhere that was borderline not safe. Um, and you could just start shoving those uh, quarters into a machine. And uh, it's quite a racket that was going on there. But eventually, you know, you got your, your home video game, and especially when uh, Nintendo became a thing and you had Mario Brothers at home, uh, what you began to figure out is that you can, you can kill off two or three hours at a time with hardly even blinking. Like you just all of a sudden do that. And I don't know, those games, my, my kids, we have to limit as a parent, uh, and I think that many of you are in the same boat as parents, we have to limit our kids' screen time, or you should be, because my kids would play video games all day, well into the night if we let them. And our thing is we only let them play a couple hours on the weekend, and that's it. They don't get to play at all during the week. And it's not because the video games, and you know, if they played for an hour at night or something, that that would necessarily be bad. It's that they can't just play for that hour. And they would flunk courses. In fact, in the beginning of the pandemic, when everybody was at home, uh, if you were doing the homeschool, um, we struggled with this, but I know that many of you struggle with this. We gave kids a video game console and said, hey, do your homework on it. Attend school, watch the videos, pay attention in class, do your homework, answer the questions, uh, and ignore all the fun games and all the fun videos and the memes and the chatting and all that stuff. And so many kids just found that to be impossible. Uh, and, you know, even as a, as a parent, I found myself having to sit with my kids during their classes. I went to third grade all over again uh, during the pandemic, uh, which I learned a few things that I had forgotten about. So that was kind of fun, you know, uh, and uh, I was still confused by the, uh, the new math. What are the things that we can do? Maybe you've got an example of something where you realized that you're being taken away from family. Uh, because you can't take your eyes out of your phone. Have you noticed that before? You know, something that has been a good thing for lots of families that we've recommended before is get a basket in the house, especially if your kids are older. You know, sometimes everybody's got a phone. Um, Put the phones away during the meal. Eat the meal at the table and put the phones in a basket in another room. Uh, Whatever somebody's texting about, whatever they're calling about, it can wait. I mean, it used to be you just didn't get the message all day. Um, you just didn't hear. And, you know, the world survives. The world will survive if you take an hour with your family and you put away the screens and you do something different. We've gone out and uh, played some, bought some board games. I went out and I got the original Game of Life, like not the new weird one with all the credit cards and that basically the winner is whoever has uh, the most assets and uh multiplied by the amount of debt that you have. Everybody's like has no assets because they're all in terrible debt, which is probably real life for a lot of people. Uh, but the old one, you know, there's lessons, you know, you have to pay back your loans with interest and you, you have to do all of this stuff by the end of life and you have to work hard and kids cost money and getting married costs money and, and you'll make more money probably if you go to college, although that's not guaranteed. All those things are in the game. We actually get a little bit of a life lesson there and then they have the little flimsy money sorters. You have to buy insurance and do all of this stuff. It's been a good game for my kids because we can have, they're nine and 12. Okay. So they're at the age where they're asking real questions about life and how it works. And uh, it's been a good thing. What are some things that maybe you've done to help you focus on the right things, uh, to get focused on actually uh, doing work? It's a very, very 
serious thing for our society today. 888-528-2557 is the number. 888-LA-TALKS is the phone number. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. Getting back into our uh, article here from the Wall Street Journal, uh, he talks about how he had this job and he was selling cable service door-to-door. That's a hard job. Have you ever had a hard job that you feel real good about, but it's not really good? I had a paper route where I had like 450 houses. It was unbelievable. Maybe it was 900 houses. And uh, the first paper route I had, it was a job where the people getting the newspaper didn't ask for the newspaper. We, it was some new startup and we'd throw the newspaper in their house and then once a month I'd go and ask for money for it for something that they didn't ask. Basically, I was paid to go litter on their front front lawn and then uh, they would have to come out and pick it up and then I would go in there and uh, ask them for a dollar. I actually made a lot of money in that little job uh, until uh, I grew up in the high desert in Palmdale area Um, and in Palmdale, you know, Plant 42, it's where they were assembling the space shuttle and the the stealth bomber and all that, that industry is the industry up there. And uh, that stupid newspaper then wrote some article critical of that injury. So then that industry, and then I went door to door and I got yelled at by a whole bunch of people who worked there. Cause like the whole town, you either drove to Los Angeles to work somewhere or you worked at plant 42. That's all you did. And uh, that was quite an experience. It was a hard job, but uh, I had to work really, really hard at it. And what I've noticed today, and I counsel a lot of people, and once again, I know that a lot of people, you work hard and you get up and you are happy to do whatever job and you have that ethic. But one of the points of this article, and I'll tell you, I've experienced it as a pastor with people who come into church, is lots of people don't want to do jobs anymore um, that I understand why they wouldn't really want to do that. It's kind of hard to go door to door and it's hard to uh, start with nothing and just create something. Um, But there used to be a sense of value for that, and now there seems to be an entitlement that says, if I don't have the job that I don't really like, then uh, the government should pay me to do nothing until I figure out what I really like. And that's one of the points of this article. That is something that is growing, and it probably doesn't have to grow too much to create a lot of problems for all of society. We'll continue talking about this in just a few minutes. The number is 888-528-2557. If you want to join our conversation, 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557. This is the Tuesday edition of Southern California Live right here on KKLA and KPRZ. I'll be back in just a couple of moments. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live, good to be with you. I'm Scott Furrow. We're talking about work and the work ethic and a concerning article that was in the Wall Street Journal about how fewer and fewer men are using their prime work uh, age to really work hard and build careers. And part of the great resignation is some people, uh, both men and women, are leaving work to do either nothing or nothing that is really able to provide for a family and that there's an idea of some work not being valuable. So what do we do? What do we do to waste time? What are some of the things that uh, you might do that, uh, how do we fix this? Uh, I've got some ideas there I'll share in a moment, but I'd love to hear yours. 888-528-2557, 888-LA-TALKS. Hey, you know what? Uh, What's the president of the United States doing today? Let's hear from uh, Jen Psaki. So the president has nothing on his schedule today aside from the PDB. 
Can you shed any light on, on how he's spending his day? Uh, well, let's see. Um, this morning, I think he had some policy meetings, uh, also a PDB meeting. Um, he, um, later this afternoon, uh, I think is doing some remarks review. I, there are some days that we spend some time uh, doing internal meetings and discussions uh, with policy experts, with policy leaders, um, and that's, that's what's happening today. That's the president of the United States, which sounds like a guy who's just working from home in his jammies. I mean, does that sound familiar? That sounds like a lot of us today. What are you doing today? Well, I have some uh, review of some papers that I'm going to do. And uh, yeah, I've got a couple of Zoom calls here and there. I think there's a lot of that going on. And they're asking that about <clears throat> President Biden often uh, has these days that are very short or there's nothing on the schedule. You know, and and you know, most people, I think, presume that's about his age. Uh, President Reagan used to get grilled about that once in a while because he liked to take a nap. So he would have the schedule that would go to like one in the afternoon and then nothing between one and four. Uh, and then he would come back and do stuff. And it turned out he was taking a nap, which, you know, you can have a three-hour power nap if you're the president, I guess. The issue here is what are we doing that isn't working? Now, we don't really know what the president's doing today. Maybe he's, he might have some very serious private meetings about what's going on in Europe today, and there's a reason that that's not on the schedule. And we don't need to know about that. We hope that he's taking care of those things, uh, that that's what he's doing. But what are some things that are important as far as, as work go? In this article, just to finish it up here, it says, it's astonishingly condescending to say that some work is meaningless. And it shows an astonishing ignorance of how some people live. It's wonderful that millions of people are finding better work and the great resignation, but there are millions more who could fill the jobs they're vacating, but the disdain for low-skill work helps keep people away. Have you ever been in a situation where you just needed to make some money and you made the best of it? Have you done that? I uh, would love to hear that story and encourage some people because I know that some of you are hearing this and it's resonating with you because you for whatever reason, have lost your job or you've lost the motivation to go to work. Maybe you're dealing with depression, you're dealing with stuff, um, or what you're dealing with is video games all day, and you don't want to go to work because you've got a Fortnite thing going on. Uh, you don't want to go to work because of things like that. And I'm, I'm telling you, I counsel people like this all the time, including lots of younger people. And one of the things I tell people to do, a great thing about our country is that you can go out and you can get work. And this is the Christian thing to do. This is one of the things that we need to be doing. The Bible talks about work all the time as something that is meant to be good. In fact, work, you know, is the fact that we have to go out and work is not a result of the fall in Genesis. Work was there in the garden before they sinned. Work was something that we were given to do is pleasurable. They, Adam and Eve were to tend to the garden. They were to work at it. And the Bible talks about being a sluggard or being habitually lazy or inactive. Proverbs 6, 6 through 11. Here's the, the advice. Okay, it says, Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander or overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard, when you... When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief, and scarcity like an armed man. You know, if you know somebody, maybe you're dealing with it yourself, but I'll bet that you know somebody, or you're concerned about somebody. What I really like about this passage, it says, go look at the ant. It has no commander, overseer, ruler, just does its job. We have the opportunity to go do stuff. I was working with a guy who, he had a lot of problems, and, uh, but he was smart. 
He was really smart. He was funny. Uh, he was scary looking. All right. And uh, he had dealt with some drugs and some other things, and he'd been in and out of jail a couple of times. And I was trying to get him to get work. And he was always trying to get a job, but it was always something that is probably not going to work out for him. Right? He's applying to things that you know I understand they're not just they're just not going to hire him. And uh, so I said, "Look, you got to have some money. Go door to door." I said, "Just go door to door, knock on people's doors, and see if they have a dog, and offer for ten bucks." You'll scoop up after the dog in the backyard. I'll bet people will pay you. I'll bet you make 50, 100 bucks a day just doing that. It's a lot of work. You wear out your shoes, but you'll have enough money to buy new shoes and keep working. You could even buy a fancy pooper scooper at the Home Depot. And uh, I said, you know, just do that. Do something, and you'll find all kinds of personal value. Now, this guy was tall. He was sort of tattooed everywhere. He was a biker, wore this leather, and he had this great beard. And if you just ran into him, he's scary looking. But if you, if you met him, he's a puppy dog. He's great. And he said, you know, I used to have a job like that. I said, you did? He goes, yeah, I used to go door-to-door selling uh, peepholes. You know, those little things, the little telescopes, right, that you put in the door. It's not a telescope. I mean, you don't really want to know who's at the door for 200 miles. But just, you know, the little hole in the door so you can see through it. He used to install those. He said, yeah. And uh, I used to go door-to-door. I'd knock on the door. And he said somebody would answer the door, and I would say, if you had a peephole in your door, would you have opened the door for me? And he's standing there all scary looking. He's like nine feet tall. And they'd always say, well, no, I probably wouldn't. And then he would do the sales pitch for the the peephole in the door, and he said it was great. Everybody had me put them in. And if they had kids, I'd put them down at the bottom. If they had a bunch of kids, their door would be like Swiss cheese. And I made a ton of money selling peepholes. I said, well, why don't you do that? He says, maybe I will. It was a great business. And then he said, he said, the greatest part about this business was it had very low overhead. I said, oh, really? He said, yeah. He said, the reason it had low overhead is because peepholes fit in your pocket at Home Depot. I'm like, oh, okay, well, you, you shouldn't do that, okay? Don't commit crimes to do your little job. Uh, one of the funniest stories I've ever heard, though, and I'm sure that that's true. This guy did that. Um, but short of committing the crime, uh, and I realize, you know, you – probably need a you know, business license to do that kind of job. But you know, to do something that helps people, if you're just stuck, get off the TV, get off the Netflix, get off of whatever it is that's just taking time. Stop scrolling on your phone and go do something. Make some money. Buy stuff. I used to buy stuff when I was in trouble. I used to buy stuff at garage sales and then sell it on eBay. I made a ton of money doing that. Uh, it was hard work. It was rough, but you can do it. 888 888- L.A. Talks, 888-528-2557. Brenda from Brea, welcome to Southern California Live. Oh, How you doing, there. Brenda? Um, can you hear me? Yes. Hi. I'm very happy that you are talking about this topic. Um, I think it's a very important one. Um, but I really wanted to call. This is my first time calling on the radio because I think um, this topic really needs to be um, uh, the oppression that people feel in their workplace. Um, the fact that they're mistreated and they work in hostile conditions while making very little money uh, mm. when things are going up, um, housing, food are going up, and they have to have two, three jobs, and that's a reality of a lot of Medi- Americans right now. So I think yes. we're going to have a conversation that is very honest about this topic. Oppression needs to be addressed. I, I appreciate that, Brenda, very much. And you're right. There are a lot of people who are working, uh, like you said, two or three jobs, or a lot of people have a side hustle. So you have a full-time job, but it's not enough. And so you're driving for Uber or you're doing uh, other things to try to raise money. 
um, and it's really, really tough. And that's a, it's a much bigger topic. You know, we, we talk about minimum wage and that going up to uh, 15 bucks an hour. Uh, and the president the other day was uh, touting uh, that wages are up 4%, but inflation is up 7%. That means everybody just took a 3% pay cut. And so you might be making more money because of minimum wage, you know, more cash, but it's not, it's not making you more money. It's not helping you survive. This is especially hard in California. That's why people are leaving California. Uh, you have to have multiple jobs so often. Um, you have to, in fact, I, you know, just speaking from my own experience, I couldn't tell you that I've, I felt oppression uh, in my jobs, but I've usually had to have a side hustle. Most households have to have mom and dad working, and most households now, many households, you need more than one job. And that is a huge societal problem. Uh, it is an attitude that has changed in our society. And that's also part of the point of all this is that it used to be that having a job wasn't just for you. It was about raising your family and doing that. But it also was about being an employer, about starting a business, that your business wasn't just for you to make money. There's a profit motive. You need to have that. You're going to go into business. But you also had a societal benefit here. The idea was my business that I have started or the place where I work, it's not just helping me make money or put food on my plate. It's also helping our community. And that's something that has been long gone. It used to be that a society, you know, the, the CEO of a company would make about 10 times as much as the lowest paid employee. Now it's something like 100 times or more than that. And society would have never before, uh, about 70 years ago, would have never put up with that. Uh, now we do. And part of it is because we have forgotten what the purpose is of work. We have forgotten that we need to make sure that, that people who work hard have the ability to have a life. And, you know, it's a much bigger subject uh, that we could get into sometime because it's, it's kind of uh, one of those that I really want to talk about because uh, it's a big problem. And I think that the government bureaucracy and the way it is uh, has made it really hard because the way to fix it is to undo a whole bunch of stuff that got us here, but to undo it is really scary. Uh, to undo it politically for the people who would have to make those decisions um, would be really hard. And it also involves the schools and educating people, which is a another subject that is really huge. Do we educate people so that they know enough to do well in life, or are we just pushing people through so that they feel good about themselves and they get a little paper, uh, which is something that we're dealing with with the COVID. Not enough time to talk about that, but uh, Brenda, I appreciate your call. And uh, you're right, that's a much bigger subject that needs to get addressed here. But we are out of time for this hour on the program. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host today. And we will be back here in just a couple minutes to uh, have a new discussion on some other things. You can give us a call and join that discussion, 888-528-2557. You can also email me at any time at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. I'm Scott Furrow. I'll be back in just a few minutes. Stay tuned. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.